The following program is paid programming. The views expressed on the following program are those of its hosts and participants, and nowhere reflect those of the ownership, staff, or advertisers of WNRI. The pandemic, social unrest, the state house, and the White House. You are listening to the John DePietro Show. Good afternoon, everyone, on this Wednesday. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dePietro.com. This portion of our program is brought to you by J.K.L. Engineering. Now, it is cold out. It's going to get colder. There's snow. Are you having a problem with your heating system? Call J.K.L. today. They're licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. It's J.K.L. Engineering. Call them, 401-351-7600. J.K.L. Estimates are free. Financing is available. Now, it's going to get uh, much colder as the week goes on. If we look at the extended forecast of right now, now it's 107 on this Wednesday, and I'm looking at some of the temperatures. How about tomorrow? It's going to drop down to single digits for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, all single digits. So you want to make sure your heating system is working as efficiently as possible. Call J.K.L. Engineering today, 401-351-7600. For over 54 years, J.K.L. If you're listening right now, on this Wednesday, wherever you can hear my voice, licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts, if you're having a problem with your heating system, it's not working efficiently, you're having a problem, what do you think is going to happen over the next couple of days? Call them right now, 401-351-7600. Remember with Hell, estimates are free, financing is available, and they could reduce your oil bill by as much as 90%. It's Kale Engineering, 401 351 7600. Well, right now, it's 108 in the Ocean State. Good afternoon. It's John DePietro on this Wednesday. And just to give you an idea of uh, some of the news, some of the things that are making news on this Wednesday, and that is the, the biggest thing is the COVID seems to be under control. COVID certainly seems to be, in Rhode Island, somewhat under control. Uh, I just don't know if they need these field hospitals open much longer. I'm looking at, for today, Nine COVID deaths, 613 additional cases. There's certainly, there's enough testing in the state. The problem is the vaccine distribution. The problem is the vaccine distribution. Now, some of the other stories. You know, the Providence Journal has a story on Smithfield officials join forum against hate. And you see this picture of someone. And the picture of the person that they use in the story is... A file photo of Richard Spencer speaking in Florida. And this has to do with the graffiti that happened in uh, Smithfield that was found. Excuse me. The graffiti that was found by these kids. I, I, I understand that juveniles are protected. Right? They are. So, but this, first of all, why is the Providence Journal using an October 19th file photo of Richard Spencer? Speaking at the University of Florida in Gainesville. What, why are they even using that? He's not involved here. So, and then I know that Smithfield had this online forum about the graffiti. And there's all this talk. Uh, I'm saying in this situation, I think they should release the names of the uh, juveniles involved. 
I, th- I think three minors were arrested in the case. You know, it, it's not a murder. And there's a whole business of protecting the minors. P- people have a, I think people have a right to know who are these people. Because otherwise, look at, they're being shielded from this. And we have a right to know there's all this talk about <coughs> white supremacy, white supremacy, and that there are Nazis living in. I mean, it's, I think it's over the top. A lot of times when these things happen, they're kids, and I'm not condoning it certainly in any way, but it's, it's not what they're making it out to be. You know, they're trying to say that these are white supremacists, Trump supporters that are responsible for the graffiti that happened in Smithfield. And, you know, this whole business of how they want to handle it. I, I say reveal the names of the three minors. Three minors were arrested in the case. Let us see what they look like. Let them be ashamed. Let their families be ashamed. Otherwise, all we know are there are three people that were involved here. And we don't know anything about them. All right, all right. We don't know anything about background. How about why did they, they apparently they arrested them. Now, I don't know if they, but did they do it? Why did they do it? It's stupid. A lot of times kids do stupid things. And they, you know, what do, what do kids do? They, they throw rocks. They write stupid things on a wall. They, they do a lot of stupid things. Smithfield officials join online forum about community responses to hateful graffiti. Uh, how many people possibly could have been responsible for this? In the town of Smithfield, you have, if you have three minors, uh, why not find out? I, I think there should be some effort to them to release. Why did they do it? What if the kids said, you know, we, we thought it was stupid and that I was, um, I, I'm just, I, I was smoking pot and I was stupid and I did it. Or I did it on a deer or I did it. So whatever. But to just leave it hanging out there and, you know, in the journals posting a picture of this Richard Spencer, a white nationalist. Is there a white nationalist problem? Or do they just have a stupid teenager problem in Smithfield? I don't why, and I'm, I'm not in any way minimizing this. But, like, let's deal with the problem. There's also a really interesting story in the Providence Journal that we're going to talk about tomorrow with our legal expert. This guy is a nut. Nick Alvarian. He contacted me several years ago. He's this odd guy that appeared on the on the scene. And he he had all these accusations about children being uh, molested in he, he had this big axe to grind against DCYF. And I don't remember why he contacted me. This was many years ago on some issue. But this past summer, this guy contacted me and said, I think this guy's alive. And so I, I, I think it's just interesting. And, and again, but the, the, the Providence Journal has this story on this. I, I, I recognize a lot of people. It's just such an unusual story that this guy, Nick Alivarian, he, he would be at the state house. I don't remember if he ran for office, but he told reporters that he had late-stage non-Hodgkin lymphoma. 
and had weeks, weeks to live. But he was this big crusader for, he was very, very critic, critical of the state's child welfare program. And he was always at the state house pushing for reform. And, and then someone contacted me last summer, I won't say who, but said, I think this guy's alive. Because there's someone putting information on Facebook that I think it's him. And I, I didn't pay too much attention to it because I didn't know about it. And a lot of times those people, you want to avoid them because they're nuts. And then they just, I, I don't like to correspond with people that are like totally nuts. And this guy seems like completely nuts. But th- this is an interesting story with the journal. So his former foster mother in Ohio, I didn't know this guy was from Ohio, said that he, he had obtained 22 credit cards and loans under her husband's name and ran up debts of 200000 So he was in a foster care program. This guy apparently gets 22 credit cards. So this nice foster family that takes him in, according to them, he runs up 200000 in debt. He was married. I didn't know that. Got divorced, but owes the wife fifty two grand from a loan. Jeff Pine, who represented him, said he was living in Ireland. And the FBI wanted to get a hold of him. They called him to discuss this complaint that he took out these credit cards under someone's name. This foster father. Just hear me out. I know this sounds a little convoluted. But this is one of the more interesting stories you're going to hear. So, they're looking into him. And apparently, he finds out that the FBI is going after him. And then suddenly he announces he has a terminal illness and then has his ex-wife announce five months later that he died. The ex-wife who, if you married this guy, you're going to be a little off to begin with, I'll tell you that. But She says that he was cremated, but won't give the journal a copy of the death certificate. (laughs) The FBI was looking for him because he owed over $200,000. Well, suddenly, somebody starts making changes to this guy's Wikipedia page. His name is Nicholas Alaverian. A-L-A-H-V-E-R-D-I-A-N. And there's a picture of him in the journal. Where he And I remember this. It's, he's only Channel 6 there. But he's at a state house and a press conference. I don't remember what. I think he wanted me to cover some press conference he was having. And I, I, I think he used to call in. He used to call in on the radio. Well, anyway. Yeah, that's right. He used to call in. But he just seemed off. You meet these people. There was something off about this guy. I didn't want to. You know, he was like, I have all this evidence of things that are wrong. I didn't want to meet with him. I didn't go to his press conference. And I, I just didn't. There's just something Something off about him. But I think this is interesting that I'll have to circle back. Somebody contacted me last summer and saying, I think this guy is alive. They were going after him. And they're now state police. They now think he faked his death. And he could be hiding in Ireland. And he owes all this money. Well, anyway, we're going to talk about it with our legal expert, Tim Dodd. But. Somebody's being chased by the feds when he finds out they're chasing him and they want to ask him about 200000 in debt. He suddenly announces he's got a terminal illness and convinces his ex-wife to say that, oh, yeah, he died. 
and we had them cremated. And the journal, to their credit, they even have this guy's Wikipedia page. And I don't even know why why he would have a Wikipedia. But he was 30 to a child welfare advocate. Alleged he suffered abuse with DCYF. I remember this. Sued DCYF in 2011. Then voluntarily dismissed the lawsuit when Rhode Island waived he had 200,000 medical expenses debt. <laughs> um, in January of last year, he, he said he'd been diagnosed with lymphoma. In February, they reported his death. His death has been disputed. And I, I just think this whole, this is a really... His death became controversial when an investigative reporter from the journal reported just two months prior to his death, the FBI began a fraud investigation after his former foster parents claimed he opened 22 credit cards under the name, racked up over 200000 in debt. Second claim was investigated based on 2017 court records from his second divorce, which stated all the marital household goods furnishings um, that he was required to pay back $52,000 loan time of the alleged death, it was an outstanding warrant failure to register as a sex offender in Rhode Island. I forgot about that. Stem, stemming from a 2008 conviction, sex-related charges in Ohio. His former attorney, Jeff Pine, expressed concern about the timing of his alleged death after learning of the FBI investigation. Pine says, the next thing I know, he gets very, very sick with cancer, dies within weeks. Do I think it's possible he's alive? Of course I do, says Pine. So, this, uh, whole story it's it's just he's an odd one um i i remember and i'm gonna i i'm willing to bet this guy's alive and that'll be um an interesting situation they can catch up to him so i know it's it's a little inside we'll cover it with our legal expert uh attorney tim dodd folks again tomorrow is the latest will be the latest covid briefing I plan on being there and covering it. If you would like me to ask a question on your behalf, we're going to be there live. Go to the website, petro.com. Don't forget petro.com, which is sponsored by Allstate Lock. Now, with all these protests and all this unrest and all the talk and lack of unity, you want to protect yourself and your family. Security camera is a good way to do it. Allstate Lock. Experts in locking systems, building security. Log on allstatelock.com or call them at 401-349-0042. And on top of that, if you go to the website, petro.com, you can then have a direct link right to their website to make it nice and easy for you. Check it out at petro.com. I want to play, let's see, right now it's 120 on this Wednesday afternoon. And I mentioned this a little earlier. But Kurt Schilling, I think I'm the last one to do a big interview with Kurt Schilling. That was in um, October of 2016. It's a huge interview. But he's been denied uh, admittance into the Baseball Hall of Fame. And it was discussed on Morning Joe. I'm going to play that. But I want to get to I'll tell you, Rand Paul is winning me over. I'm becoming a big fan of Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul. I played for you. He was on Tucker Carlson. Uh, excuse me. He was on ABC's This Week with George Stephanopoulos on Sunday and really pushed back. But Rand Paul really unloaded regarding the impeachment. And I want to play it for you. Senator it's a little lengthy, but it's worth it. For up to 10 minutes each. This is Senator Rand Paul. Mr. President, the senator from Kentucky. 
This impeachment is nothing more than a partisan exercise designed to further divide the country. Democrats claim to want to unify the country, but impeaching a former president, a private citizen, is the antithesis of unity. Democrats brazenly appointing a pro-impeachment Democrat to preside over the trial is not fair or impartial and hardly encourages any kind of unity in our country. No, unity is the opposite of this travesty we are about to witness. If we are about to try to impeach a president, where is the chief justice? If the accused is no longer president, where is the constitutional power to impeach him? Private citizens don't get impeached. Impeachment is for removal from office. And the accused here has already left office. Hyperpartisan Democrats are about to drag our great country down into the gutter of rancor and vitriol, the likes of which has never been seen in our nation's history. Instead of doing the nation's work with their new majorities in the House, the Senate, and the executive branch, Democrats are wasting the nation's time on a partisan vendetta against a man no longer in office. It's almost as if they have no ability to exist except in opposition to Donald Trump. Without him as their boogeyman, they might have to legislate and to actually convince Americans that their policy prescriptions are the right ones. Democrats are about to do something no self-respecting senator has ever stooped to. Democrats are insisting the election is actually not over, and so they insist on regurgitating the bitterness of the election. This acrimony they are about to unleash has never before been tried. Why? Because calmer heads have typically prevailed in our history and allowed public opinion to cast blame where blame is deserved. This sham of an impeachment will ostensibly ask whether the president incited the reprehensible behavior and violence of January 6th when he said, I know everyone here will soon march to the Capitol to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Peacefully and patriotically, hardly words of violence. But what of Democrat words? What of Democrat incitement to violence? No Democrat will honestly ask whether Bernie Sanders incited the shooter that nearly killed Steve Scalise and volunteer coach. The shooter nearly pulled off a massacre. I was there because he fervently believed the false and inflammatory rhetoric spewed by Bernie and other Democrats, such as the Republican health care plan for the uninsured is that you die. As this avowed Bernie supporter shot Steve Scalise, nearly killing him, and shot one of our coaches and two or three of our staff, he screamed, this is for health care. Ask me or anyone if that's incitement. No Democrat will ask whether Cory Booker incited violence when he called for his supporters to get, get up in their face of Congress people, a very visual and specific incitement. No Democrat will ask whether Maxine Waters incited violence when she literally told her supporters, and I quote, that if you see a member of the Trump administration at a restaurant, at a department store, at a gas station, or any place, you create a crowd and you push back on them. 
Is that not incitement? My wife and I were pushed and surrounded and screamed at by this same type of mob that Maxine likes to inspire. It's terrifying to have a swarm of people threatening to kill you, cursing at you and literally holding you hostage until police come to your rescue. That night we were assaulted by the crowd. I wasn't sure if we'd survive even with the police protection. But no Democrat has ever considered impeaching Maxine for her violent rhetoric. In fact, Republicans, to our credit, have never once thought it legitimate to formally censor or impeach these Democrats. No Republican has sought to use the government to hold these Democrats responsible for Antifa and Black Lives Matter violence that has consumed our cities all summer, resulting in over a billion dollars of destruction, looting, and property damage. Not one Republican said, oh, let's impeach the Democrats who are inciting this, because it would be ridiculous. Many on the Democrat side of the aisle cheered them on. Kamala Harris famously offered to pay the bill for those who were arrested. I wonder if she'll be brought up on charges of inciting violence for that now that she's vice president. Should Kamala Harris be impeached for offering to pay for violent people to get out of jail who've been burning our cities down? No. And no Republican has offered that. Because we're not going down the road that Democrats have decided, this low road of impeaching people for political speech. Should Republicans impeach the Democrat mayor of Seattle, who incited and condoned violence by calling the armed takeover of part of her city a summer of love? Any Republicans try to impeach her? On June 8th, the New York Post citing U.S. Justice Department statistics reported that more than 700 law enforcement officers were injured during the Antifa Black Lives Matter riots. There were at least 19 murders, including 77-year-old retired police officer David Dorn. Yet Democrats insist on applying a test of incitement to a Republican that they refuse to apply to themselves. I want the Democrats to raise their hands if they have ever given a speech that says, take back, fight for your country. Who hasn't used the words fight figuratively? And are we going to put every politician in jail? Are we going to impeach every politician who has used the words fight figuratively in a speech? Shame. Shame on these angry, unhinged partisans yep. who are putting forth this sham impeachment. This is Rand Paul, folks. By their hatred Senator Rand Paul. President. Shame on those who seek blame and revenge and who choose to pervert a constitutional process while doing so. I want this body on record. Every last person here. Is this how you think politics should be? Look, we've now got crazy partisans on the other side of the aisle trying to censor and remove two of the Republican senators for their political position. Now, look, I disagreed. I don't think Congress should overturn the Electoral College. But impeaching or censoring or expelling a member of Congress you disagree with? Is the truth so narrow that only you know the truth? We now have the media on your side saying there is only one set of facts, one set of truth, and you can only interpret it this way. Now we have seven senators on the other side trying to expel, censor, or impugn two senators on this side. 
And I defend them, not because I defend their position. I disagreed with their position. But you can't impeach, censor, expel people you disagree with. What's this coming to? In a few minutes, I will insist on a vote to affirm that this proceeding we are about to enter is unconstitutional, that impeachment of a private citizen is illegal and essentially a bill of attainder, and that no sense of fairness or due process would allow the judge in the proceeding to be a partisan Democrat already on favor of the impeachment. A sham, this is. A travesty. A dark blot on the history of our country. I urge my colleagues to reconsider this kangaroo court and move forward to debate the great issues of our day. With that, I'd like to uh, relinquish the last moment or two of my time to a senator from Wisconsin. He is, um, that is Rand Paul. Good afternoon, everyone. It's Sean DePietro on this snowy Wednesday. Right now it's 1.30 on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. I'll tell you, I'm becoming a big fan. I don't know what the future holds, but he is, the guy is just ferocious. He's brilliant. He doesn't back down from anyone. Uh, I also want to mention, I just found out and saw that apparently Lieutenant Governor, incoming Governor McKee will be at the briefing tomorrow and will be answering questions. So uh, we will be there. We'll bring it to live. But he will be at tomorrow's Department of Health COVID briefing. We'll answer questions according to a spokesman for the transition. So things are um, are underway there. I think that's that's positive, and it should be moving in that direction. And boy, things are just full speed ahead. I'm seeing more and more. Um, let's see that Rhode Island uh, Governor Gina Raimondo has now been endorsed from I think from uh, U.S. Commerce that they're endorsing her her nomination to be head of commerce so how about Kurt Schilling though I I will play that lashing out saying take me off next year's ballot it's ridiculous and Mike Barnacle saying that um well, I'll play it for you. Mike Barnacle, formerly of the Globe, formerly of Channel 5. He was the one who, uh, what is all this stuff about GameStop is everywhere right now. Boy, GameStop. GameStop is, uh, and also that Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. She, um, they're going to go after her with some of her, her postings. She's the person, I, she's believed to be the first member of QAnon that has been elected. But she is, uh, they're really going after her. There is a, a full effort to take her down and get her removed from Congress. She is a Republican from Georgia, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. And she, uh, they're going through all of her. Now, none of this was done during, during the election, but they're going through all of her social media posts. And they really now... It is, it is full speed. She is in the crosshairs, and they're going to have to talk to her. Um, I, I don't know if her, the people that voted for her have a problem with her, but it, it's definitely a problem. Ted Nisi put out the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce strongly supports the nomination of Rhode Island Governor Gina Raimondo to be Secretary of Commerce. What's interesting about that, by the way, is just the fact, as, as many of you know, 
that this past year, or last year, I should say, last year, that last year, there, there was a decision to be made with Rhode Island Governor Gina Raimondo. And the decision was you had all that money from the federal government that was supposed to be distributed to businesses. That money was, the PPP money was supposed to be distributed to all these small businesses. And the governor held on to it. And Lieutenant Governor Dan McKee, he had a petition and he was meeting with them. And they even had a rally. And he was trying to get Rhode Island Governor Gina Raimondo to release more of that money. And she wouldn't do it. She would not do that. And then we found out that what this really seemingly was about was the money went into the general fund of the state, the state budget. Last year during this pandemic, when revenue plummeted, when many businesses closed, especially hardest hit restaurants, other stores, other businesses couldn't keep compete, couldn't stay afloat during the pandemic. It would have been a time for Rhode Island Governor Gina Raimondo to say, hey, listen, if you're a state worker and there's over 15,000 of you, this, this is a tough time for the state. And the state has less money coming in. So, therefore, what we need to do is I'm going to put this across the board. Every state employee, hear me out. This is what could have been done. Every state employee, if you work for the state, I'm sorry, but everyone is taking, and she could have said myself included, a 10% pay cut. A 10% pay cut. If we don't do that, then we're going to have to do layoffs. But I know people are going to be upset about this, but this way you can hold on to your job, but Rhode Island simply doesn't have enough money. That didn't happen. The federal money that should have gone to the small businesses in Rhode Island. But she was holding on to that money. Where did it go and said into the general fund? And what did that mean? It meant the state workers, none of them had to take a pay cut. None of them were affected by the whole thing. Everything went on. All the teachers complaining that schools aren't safe and everything else didn't skip a beat. Teaching from home didn't have to go in. None of them made a penny less during this whole thing. So the reason I say that is commerce, they're obviously unaware of that because otherwise there was a a fork in the road. And the right side would have been to say to the unions, public sector unions and the state workers, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to take a pay cut. And by doing this, we're going to save the state a tremendous amount of money. And we're going to be able to balance the budget. They didn't, she didn't do that. To the right with the small businesses, to the left side of the street, public sector unions, all the state workers. Which side of the street do you think she sided on? She went over to the left. She went over to them. And as a result of that, all those small businesses did not get their money that they should have gotten. Now, speaking of small businesses, folks, I want to remind you about my friend Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road, Cumberland, right now on this Wednesday afternoon. Roads are clear. Roads are clear. Roads are paved. It's My Health, right across from Davenport Restaurant. You can call her at 401 305 
3585. She's open. She's helpful. Support local business. And on top of that, with It's My Health, 1099, Menden Road in Cumberland. Well, there's some products that I'll bet if you're listing right now on either AM 1380 or 99.9 FM, then you, you may be ordering online. Listen, you don't have to. You don't have to wait. You drive right in. Tell Marie what you're looking for. Boom, she gets it for you. Local, great local products like a Kai Berry, that incredible antioxidant. She has local honey. You know, there's maple syrup you can get made locally. Also, active skin brushes and bee fresh gum. At It's My Health in Cumberland, Marie has a full wall of 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices that can be purchased by the ounce plus box herbs and teas. What is um, incredible is there's a lot of ingredients that you could use with some of your cooking that would be very, very healthy for both you and your family. A perfect example of this is mushrooms. And I don't mean the drug use. I mean just mushrooms themselves. They're very nutritious. And so there's all kinds of herbs and teas and spices that, number one, it makes the food taste better, but they're also good for you. Plus, but wait, there's more. Hemp and CBD products. It's my health because it's your health. They also have children vitamins, natural skin care products, essential oils, body oils, and soaps. Folks, stop in. You want to shop local. You want to support a local business person and you want to keep yourself and your family healthy. Just pop in. I bet you have driven past. How many times have you gone by that historic white church? The building was built around 1860. Here it is, 2021. And it's open. And it's it's my health. Pop in. There's your excuse. Say, hey, Marie. Juan, John DePietro is always talking about you. I thought I'd pop in, say hello, and just tell her what you're looking for. She'll help you find something. Say you're open. Say you're open to trying something new. It's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Well, folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. So I was very relieved to see that Mitch McConnell, the Republicans are basically saying it's unconstitutional. We are, we're not voting. We're not going to impeach. President Trump's out of office. President Trump is down in Florida. President Trump, you got him out. Okay? You got him out. But we're not impeaching him. We're not impeaching him. And I think that's good news. Because I think the president's laying low. And I think in time, uh, the president needs to rest and get things in order and adjust to life out of office. And folks, as you can imagine, can you imagine... The mental crash that that must be. I was uh, talking to someone who was with the Trump campaign. And he was saying that um, he said his brother came back. His brother had been, this is like a year ago. This guy's brother had been in Hawaii for two weeks. And said, you know, you come back from a very extensive vacation. And then he came back on a Saturday and Sunday, still tired. And then Monday has to go back to work and said, you know, that Monday, Tuesday, it's a crash of like, uh, a week ago, I was on the, you know, the beach in Waikiki and so forth. It's, well, he said, can you imagine like you wake up and you're no longer in the White House? Now you just, now granted, I mean, very nice digs at Mar-a-Lago, but President Trump needs to make sure he's in best shape possible. He needs to mentally, you know, decompress a little bit physically decompress you're talking about someone 
He came down that escalator in June of 2015 and really did not have any type of break. He didn't take long vacations. He didn't take the month of August off like Barack Obama used to do. He didn't do that. He was working nonstop. The longest he would do is go to one of his resorts and play golf on a Saturday, Sunday. And they still criticized him. So I think it's healthy. I think it'd be productive. And then I think he's going to be willing to go. Hey, now remember, the roads are slippery out there. There was quite a few accidents. Right now, it's 142 on this Wednesday. And if you're listening on the 18, AM 1380, hold on, AM 1380, toy boat, or 99.9 FM, if you're in an accident or maybe someone you know, family member, someone said, yeah, someone hit me this morning, they skidded on the snow, call West Fountain Auto Body today, 401 272 3340. West Fountain Auto Body. They'll handle everything for you, they'll work for you, not the insurance company. During this winter, when there's a lot of accidents with snow and ice, if your vehicle is damaged, call West Fountain, 272-3340. So I want to play um, Kurt Schilling, who uh, I know and um, respect. He, um, he oh, excuse me, he has now said, take my name off for the Hall of Fame. And he was denied being on the Hall of Fame. And this morning on um, MSNBC... Mike Barnacle was discussing with Willie Geis. And listen how, according to Mike Barnacle's world, Schilling, now keep in mind, there was no problem with Schilling when he was a player. The questions they had about Schilling were after he retired. And they won't let him in the Hall of Fame. And it's really because he was a Trump supporter. I mean, right? I mean, that's what it is. But according to Barnacle... Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, who both documented evidence, use steroids, performance-enhancing drugs. That's okay for the Hall. But Schilling, because Barnacle and people like that disagree with his politics, he should be kept out. Here's what it sounded like. On his career as a pitcher, does he deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? That's the first part of the question. And then how much should voters consider someone's record off the field, the kind of guy he is? Mm. Well, Willie, on the first question, I would just say that over the past 10 or 15 years, at least, maybe a bit longer, the Hall of Fame vote and the Hall of Fame inductees is, in most cases, well, not in most cases, in some cases, it's become the Hall of Very Good. Uh, the standards uh, are different. Is an original line. has played an enormous role in who is voted into the Hall of Fame. All the acronyms, the war wins and things like that, just arcane stuff. So is Kurt Schilling a Hall of Famer? Yeah, probably is. I think I'd probably vote for him in the Hall of Fame, except for Ready? I wouldn't vote for him because of the character issue that you just alluded to. That gets us to the second point of the question. You could go to Cooperstown. I've been there many many, many times and walk through the hall and look through certain plaques of a certain era and there were gangsters, there were racists, there were wife beaters, there were all sorts of dreadful people, but tremendous baseball players. They, under these new guidelines, these new character issues that I think are legitimate to talk about, uh, would not certainly be in the Hall of Fame today. Uh, so it's an interesting question. The Clemens and Bonds issue, Listen to this. if I were voting, if I had a vote, I would vote for them to be in the 
Hall of Fame. Oh but I would God. also insist that what they are alleged to have done and did do would be on the plaque mm. so that people going to Cooperstown looking at it could understand the era that they were a part of. Yeah, and as I said, Mika Schilling came. Alleged to have done. So listen, that is Mike Barnacle. So to him, it's better that Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens cheated during the game while they were playing using performance-enhancing drugs. He doesn't link that to any character issue. The only character issue that Barnacle sees has to do with comments you make about politics once you're out of the game. If we're talking about the character issue, could there be more of a defining character issue than two guys? And there were a lot more, but Barry Bonds and Clemens, who cheated as players, denied it using performance-enhancing drugs to give them an unfair advantage and any records that they set destroyed them? Would there be any greater character issue than that? But in Barnacle's mind, what, what and by the way, I, I, I talked to some people who, or I've read, I should say, about some people who, they're not convinced that he really maybe belongs in, the, maybe Schilling's not good enough to be in the Hall of Fame, right? Maybe he's, he's actually not good enough. Maybe he, he wasn't worthy of it. But if you're not going to have him on, to me, have it because you don't feel he's good enough of a baseball player, not because he's a Trump supporter. That's really what it comes down to. But, I mean, think of that. Because Barnacle's saying, see, this is a character issue. And because of the character issue, Schilling should not be allowed in the Hall of Fame. Why? Well, because he's a Trump supporter. And that, that deflects or that reflects negatively of his character. However, what about the character or lack of of Clemens and Bonds? Roger Clemens left Boston. What did they say? He's in the twilight of his career. He was angry about that. He ended up in Toronto. He ended up with the Yankees. How was he able to pitch that way? Isn't this amazing? Roger Clemens is throwing faster now than he could five years ago. Why? Performance-enhancing drugs. Barry Bonds, his entire body changed. And his head got bigger. He needed new helmets. He was so roided up. How about, like, the, the and, and uh, by, uh, Biden. <laughs> Barnacle says that they're acute. No, it's been documented, proven. See, in his mind, in Barnacle's mind, uh, Barry Bonds and Clemens, they're still just accused what they're accused of with with uh, Kurt Schilling. Oh, yeah, he, he's absolutely. It's a character problem. Now, folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro. This portion of the program is brought to you by Henry Oil. Now, listen, it's cold out. Winter has certainly arrived. Call Henry Oil today, 401-521-0200. Reliable, affordable, fuel oil delivery, fuel oil Diesel, gasoline delivery. Call Henry Oil today. 401-521-0200. Lock and cap pricing, service contracts, budget plans, automatic delivery. Serving most of Rhode Island and southeastern Mass. Listen, you want to stay nice and warm. Call Henry Oil today. 401-521-0200. I mentioned Rand Paul. He's having a big week. And no one has taken it to Stephanopoulos, George Stephanopoulos. And framed it quite the way that Rand Paul did. I want to play against some of this. This was this Sunday, and I love the way he goes right after George Stephanopoulos. Well, let me begin with a threshold question for you. Uh, This election was not stolen. Do you accept that fact? Well, 
what I would say is that the debate over whether or not there was fraud should occur. We never had any presentation in court where we actually looked at the evidence. Most of the cases were thrown out uh, for lack of standing, which is a procedural way of not actually hearing the question. There were several states in which the law was changed by the Secretary of State and not the state legislature. To me, those are clearly unconstitutional. And I think there's, a, there's still a chance that those actually do finally work their way up to the Supreme Court. Courts traditionally and historically don't like to hear election questions. But yes, were there people who voted twice? Were there dead people who voted? Were there illegal aliens who voted? Yes, and we should get to the bottom of it. I'll give you an example. In my state, when we had a Democrat Secretary of State, she refused, even under federal order, to purge the rolls of illegal voters. We got a Republican Secretary of State, and he purged the rolls. Senator Paul, I have to, difference, I, and those I, I have have to stop you there. there no, no, no election is perfect, but there, there were 86 challenges filed by... President Trump and his allies in court all were dismissed. Every state certified the results after investigations counts and recounts. The De Department of Justice, led by William Barr, said there's no widespread evidence of fraud. Can't you just say the words, this yeah. election was well, not what stolen? I would suggest is... What I would suggest is that if we want greater confidence in our elections, and 75% of Republicans agree with me, is that we do need to look at inte election integrity, and we do need to see if we can uh, restore confidence in the elections. Well, 75% of Republicans agree with you because they were fed a big lie by President Trump and his supporters who say the election was stolen. That's not why, why they agree. Say, well, I think where you make, I think, I think where you make a mistake, in, uh, hey, George, 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 where you make a mistake is that People coming from the liberal side like you, you immediately say everything's a lie instead of saying there are two sides to everything. Historically, what would happen is if I said that I thought there was fraud, you would interview someone else who said there wasn't. But now you insert yourself in the middle and say that the absolute well, fact is that everything I'm saying is a lie. Well, but I, would say Senator, I said what the president fact, said was a lie because he to. said, hold on a second. To. He said the election was stolen. This election was not stolen. This the results were certified in every you're single was, state you're after saying, counts you're and saying, recounts. You're saying that absolutely. It was, you're saying there was no fraud and it's all been investigated. That's just not true. It's not what I said, sir. I said the Department of Justice found no evidence. Let me, Let me finish. finish my point. You said, you said something that was not true. You say we're all liars. You're just simply saying we're all liars. And I said it was a lie that the election was stolen. Premise that you're right, we're wrong. Well, let, no, well, let's let's talk about the specifics of it. In Wisconsin, tens of thousands of absentee votes had only the name on them and no address. Historically, those were thrown out this time. They weren't. They made special accommodations because they said, oh, it's a pandemic, and people forgot what their address was. So they changed the law after the fact. That is wrong. That's unconstitutional. And I plan on spending the next two years going around state to state and fixing these problems, and I won't be cowed by liberals in the media who say, there's no evidence here. You're a liar if you talk about election fraud. No, let's have an open debate. It's a free country. It, there's there's no widespread evidence of election fraud that overturned the results. That was stated as well by the Department of Justice, led by President Trump's Attorney General. In Wisconsin, there were counts and recounts. Actually, was the never results that, even were that's certified. not true. Even that's not true. Even William that's Barr not said true. that. Barr said that. But there was yes, he said that. Yes, that was a pronouncement. There has been no examination, thorough examination of all the states to see what problems we had and see if they could fix them. Now, let me say, to be clear, I voted to certify the state electors because I think it would be wrong for Congress to overturn that. But at the same time, I'm not willing just to sit here and say, oh, everybody on the Republican side is a liar and there is no fraud. No, there were lots of problems and there were secretaries of state who illegally changed the law and that needs to be fixed. And I'm going to work
work hard to fix it. And I won't be cowed by people saying, oh, you're a liar. That's the problem with the media today is they say all Republicans are liars and everything we say is a lie. There are two sides to every story. Interview somebody on the other side, but don't insert yourself into the story to say we're all liars because we there, some fraud there, in the there, election. They're not, 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 not two sides of the story. This has been looked at in every single state. The election oh, sure was there certified are. There are two sides to every state. story, George. You're forgetting who you are. You're forgetting who you are as a journalist. If you think there's only one side, you're inserting yourself into the story to say, I'm a liar because I want to look at election fraud and I want to look at secretaries of state who illegally change the voter laws without the permission of their state legislatures. That is incontrovertible. It happened. And you can't just sweep that under the rug and say, oh, nothing to see here. And everybody's a liar. And you're a fool if you bring this up. You're inserting yourself into the story a journalist I'm, would hear both sides and there are two sides of this story. i'm sta i'm standing by facts there are not two sides to facts i did not say there was, that this was a perfect election i said it was the results were certified i said it was not stolen it you're saying to people say are liars you're saying people are liars if they want to investigate what happened in the election should that's not what i said the fact that tens of thousands of absentee ballots did not have addresses on them and normally were disqualified but this time they were counted should we examine that I don't know whether it affected the election or not, but I have an open mind. And if we actually examine this, we find out it didn't, that's fine, but it still should be fixed. There, there's, there can be more investigations. The investigations that have taken place have shown there is not enough fraud to change the results not of this enough. election. That has been certified by every state. It was stated by the Justice Department and the Attorney General. And I accepted the state certifications, but it doesn't mean that I think that there wasn't fraud and that there weren't problems that have to be investigated, and it doesn't mean that the law wasn't broken. I believe in Pennsylvania they broke the law, and I believe if that ever would get a real hearing in the Supreme Court, it was denied for standing. It wasn't actually taken up. If it were taken up, I do believe that the Supreme Court would overrule and say that they did break the law illegally. I ask you a very simple question. Was the election stolen or not? I think there was a great deal of evidence of uh, fraud and changing of the election laws illegally, and I think a thorough investigation is warranted. Senator Paul, thanks for your time this morning. Now, the um, the voices you just heard, good afternoon, it's 155, it's John DePietro. The voices that you just heard are that of George Stephanopoulos and Rand Paul. And the reason I wanted to play that again is because I haven't heard anyone else lay it out and frame it exactly the way that he has. He's exactly right. And you notice, first of all, it's about time that some people start to push back on members of the media like uh, like uh, Stephanopoulos. And as I've told you, it's the either or that they ask. It's the, you know, it's the all or nothing. Was the election stolen? Even in Rhode Island, we can't get straight answers on uh, how the election went. And I'm telling you, this has nothing to do with President Trump. I don't believe the election was done fairly in Rhode Island. I don't believe that. Folks, right now, I want to remind you about Liberty Mobility. Liberty Mobility. Now, you can link right through at the website to Petro.com. Liberty Mobility is West Warwick's, is uh, West, in West Warwick, excuse me, is the area's oldest and largest provider of pre-owned power wheelchairs and power our scooters. They acquired these wheelchairs and scooters from people, organizations who no longer need them. Liberty Mobility will pick them up and make sure they return to good use for the people who need them. That's helping people return to mobility at an affordable price. Is there a power wheelchair or scooter in your family? Do you know of any organization 
then they have these in storage. Liberty Mobility, they even pay for that power wheelchair scooter with free pickup. Call them today. Call Paul Long, 401-827-8800, and speak with Paul about getting those power wheelchairs and scooters to people in need. And they're committed to helping veterans. Veterans receive a 15% discount off any item in stock. Call Liberty Mobility today, 401-827-8800, located 5 Church Street in West Warwick. If you uh, can't remember their, their name, the name of the company, if you log on at the uh, website, debitro.com, it links right through. So, folks, right now it's 158 on this Wednesday. Now, I want to remind you, drive safely this afternoon. There's a lot of snow and ice out there. As I've said, people somehow just start to forget how to drive in this weather. If you're in an accident, call West Fountain Auto Body, 401 272 3340-401-272-3340, West Fountain Auto Body, located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. It's West Fountain Auto Body. Now, tomorrow, tomorrow will be the COVID briefing. I will be there. And on top of that, we've learned now, Lieutenant Governor, incoming Governor Dan McKee will be there and speaking with the media and answering questions. So we're going to bring it to you. I will be there, and then we'll bring it to you live. Where do things stand? Right now, with Governor Raimondo, well, right now, it would seem that um, I, from what we're hearing, next week could be Rhode Island Governor Gina Raimondo. Next week could be her final week as Governor of Rhode Island. She had a very successful Senate confirmation committee hearing yesterday. It is expected to go to the full Senate. Uh, I believe she will be voted out of committee successfully. I'm seeing some other people that were voted that way. And then once it hits the Senate and they're saying they want to do this before uh, February 8th, uh, by the end of next week, Rhode Island Governor Gina Raimondo could go to Washington and be sworn in by Vice President Kamala Harris to be the new Secretary of Commerce. And as always, then we'll have a new governor. We'll bring it to right here. Listen, stay safe on this Wednesday. We're back tomorrow at 11 o'clock. Stay tuned. The John Dion program is next. After the two of WNRI Winsocket.